0: This is Twi Teams One Street from The Evening Telegraph. the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week we pay tribute to Walter Smith. The United Bandwagon rolls on and it's disaster for Dundee. Hello and welcome to the latest version of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy. And I'm joined by the usual crew of Graham Finnan, Hello, everyone. Ewan Smith. Yes, how are you doing? And despairing George Cran. Hello. But more of that later, George. I think this week it's only fair uh, and proper that w- that we start uh, reflecting on the sad news that Walter Smith has passed away uh, at the age of seventy-three. Now, quite rightly, Walter uh, is uh, is known as a Rangers man uh, for all he achieved uh, at Ibrox, um, but. A big part of his earlier life was at Dundee United. Uh, And I know from coming in just towards the the end of his time at United, uh, what an influence and impression he made, not only on the players uh, as a coach uh, in the late 70s and 80s, but also uh, the people in our profession, the local media. Uh, I, I I only met him very briefly on two or three occasions. But I can honestly say uh, I never, ever heard anyone say a bad word about him uh, as a man. Uh, And as a coach, every single United player who, when I started, was still left over from the championship winning team in 83, uh, they had huge respect for Jim McLean. And it was Jim McLean's genius that spotted Walter as his coaching abilities. Every player loved Walter and talked so highly of him as a man and of as a coach. And he is probably, maybe partly because everything he did at Rangers uh, from 86 onwards, in some ways he's a forgotten man of the great years uh, of United. But he was at Jim McLean's side for the two League Cup wins and the Championship win. Uh, And like I say, the players from that era will tell you to a man that he had a huge influence and he was very trusted by Jim McLean. Jim Jim McLean would leave him to take a, a training session and have no qualms about it. That's how highly he rated Walter. And its a it's been a sad week for the game, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so, Tom. It's obviously, I'm like you. I mean, i never had any dealings with a man at all, really. I mean, my first memory of Walter Smith, and it was actually... It's a bad memory because it was one of the early times that I went to Dens in the seventies. When you and you actually, I noticed that you. I just looking at his stats. You only scored two goals for Dundee United. The one oh, yeah. was actually against Dundee at Dens Park in the TCCN, and but he Kissed his boot. That's right, and I, I vividly remember I'm doing that, and I thought <laughs> yeah, that's a strange thing. And I always thought it. that's not very easy to do actually, because he was quite a tall man. You know, he was a six footer, so to actually lift your boot up and kiss it without falling over was 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 quite <laughs> good technique in those days. Anyway, but that was my earliest memory. Um, of Walter Smith, and there's been so much written about him and, and spoken about him, you know, how over the past sort of 48 hours or of so, two or three days since he passed, you know, and, and like like you've just said, I don't think anyone, and I, I, there was a genuine genuine feeling for Walter Smith, I don't think anybody really had a bad word, word to say about Walter, you know, I mean, but you always struck me a man, he was, he was a man of great great dignity, he obviously had a drive to succeed, you saw that with the amount of trophies, that he won, and he always looked like a gentleman, a gentleman to speak to, although you didn't know him, you felt as though you did know him, but he must have had an inner steel, You know, I think the Walter Smith that we saw in front of the cameras could be a, a, a far harder man behind the cameras, and he had to be, given the position that he, he achieved the way and, and, and where he got to in the game. But yeah, it was, it's a sad, sad loss. And i just give you, you're talking about, you know, he was at Jim McLean's side for obviously those... Uh, great years of, when, when they won the championship, you know. But I I've can i got another memory of Walter. When I was 16, I got a trial for Wraith Rovers, and we were actually playing uh, Dundee United at Starks Park, and Walter actually played that night, and, and in that team was guys like uh, Richard Goff, Golf, Ralph Milne, John Clark. I'm not so sure if Morris Marpaz was playing, but there was guys like Gary McGinnis, Tom, who you remember from our time yeah, here up remember, here. Gary. And it was the nucleus of that side, and you you could see what was obviously playing as a coach, but you know, his influence rubbed off on these guys and two or three years later they would become the champions of Scotland and he deserves great credit for what he did behind the scenes at Tadice. Um from a from a fan's point of view as well, I think you know, having beaten many games when you could strangle the opposition manager at times you almost felt it, you couldn't really do that with water. You know, you would step back from being too, as I fair to say, too abusive. You know, if your team wasn't doing well, water yeah. was on the touchline, but you I would go and say mean. something and then sort of go, oh no, it's water. I'm not going to do that. That's what Smith. You can't. Yeah, no,
0: it's, it's a real sad loss. Sad loss to the... You, you, know. you mentioned they were playing against him. He was probably the first, and it was a thing, thing that Jim McLean continued throughout his managerial career. Jim McLean, uh, and, and and one I remember from the the end of Jim McLean's managerial career is a guy that you'll have played against often in junior level, uh, Mick McManus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played about 14, 15, 16, whatever, reserve games for, for United. Uh, Scottish international uh, centre-half at junior level. Jim often played him as a trialist because he would keep the young kids around him yeah. right. And that was basically, I think, why he brought, brought Walter because he he got rid of Walter because he didn't think he was very good. But there's a there's I heard a, a an interview this week from some years ago Walter Smith uh, and uh, and he said that Jim McLean had said, to him, Walter, "Let's face it, you're bleep, but you've got something as a coach." But that included on the park. He, he, Walter was probably the first, certainly the first I can remember. The, the, he brought him back. He only played some like 26 first-team games in his second spell at United. But like you say, he was in the reserves, and he mm-hmm. was in the reserves to do the coaching on the park. And, and it, was a, 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 it was a thing that, that Jim McLean did with him. And uh, But like you say, he, he, he was a hugely respected man. And I think, for, as I say, I know it's a guy I hardly knew, but I bizarrely knew a lot of people who knew him well. And it was that thing that they that always said that he was a really nice, honest, decent man. And you didn't want to get on the wrong side of him because he would let you know that he wasn't happy. But I, I'm told he always then moved on quickly from that. And uh, I mean, like I, I said I never uh, heard anyone say a negative word about him. Uh, but I remember once, and Walter would have moved on to be Graham Soonis' assistant, and it was I was there for the final four years of Jim McLean's uh, management on a on an almost daily basis, uh, and I remember it, it was Aberdeen had a rescheduled game on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, and we were up at Tannadice as well what, every day then at lunchtime in Jim's office, and and, and one of the one of the older uh, guys uh, said, "Oh, are you going up to Aberdeen tonight?" And, and and Jim said, aye, of course I am. And then he had this worried look. He said, but what he's phoned. He's going to, he says he's going to pick me up when he gets to Dundee and he'll do the driving. But he's a nightmare behind the wheel. And it was the, whole, the only thing I ever heard. And Jim looked really concerned at the thought of getting a lift. But, but at the same time, he was delighted that, uh, uh, Walter had picked up the phone to him and said, look, I'm going, I'll do the driving. And don't forget, Jim could be merciless about people that left United. And it, it shows you the regard he held Walter and that there was the other people that left United. It took a few years, if ever, for them to be speaking again. But I don't think that was the case. I think, I mean, he understood that Walter's, Walter's connection uh, as a boy, boyhood Rangers fan, that was in the offer. Firm Rangers was just too lucrative to go. Uh, but it was, it is, it, it's a sad, sad uh, week for Scottish football. I think a, a, a lot of people knew that he wasn't well. And uh, as some, I saw someone say, it's a, it's a mark of the regard the man was held in that people respected that and kept it quiet and let him spend his final months, you know, peacefully with his family. Right after that sad news, we'll bring some brightness when, as we move on to the present day Dundee United and Ewan, maybe it should have been three points last night,
2: but the bandwagon keeps rolling on. Yeah, I think, if I'm fair, I think a draw was a fair result last night, to be honest with you. I think Get off United's- this
0: podcast, we're uh, no, no bit. <laughs>
2: Don't give us <laughs> your Lothian's bias. Like- Listen, <laughs> look, I've been Mister Super Positive ever since I started covering Done United, and with good reason because they haven't actually lost a league game since I started officially in my role. So that's seven unbeaten. So it's fantastic. So well, you getting a win bonus. <laughs> well, I hope so. Actually, I've always I wouldn't, sure. but there well. you go. It's Done United to cover. So, but um, no, they didn't. Des- they didn't deserve to win last night. They didn't do enough for me last night. Um, the Livingston, to their credit. When they went down to ten men, they actually played a really good second half and they they contained Dun United really well. And and it really limited Dun United to long-range efforts. And Charlie McGrew was trying his best to score another world. You know, he had a an effort from about 35 yards that was brilliantly saved by the keeper. And then Biamu had a, a late diving header that was another great save. But I think a draw was a fair result. And to be honest with you, we always say on that pitch, but it is a difficult pitch to go to, and obviously the the guys here were at games last night as well, and it was it was an awful night for football, teaming down with rain. Um, I mean, Tam Court's jacket was absolutely drenched, absolutely completely soaked right through, um, and the players were, they were a lot worse. So, I think a, a points on reflection, looking at the other results, is good for United, but. They could have been second if they'd won.
0: See, had to, always a man to get the right to the point here in a pertinent question. Why were the players worse? Was it raining heavier on the pitch than it was on the touchline?
2: <laughs> I was just worried about. Well, I was worried about <laughs> them slapping about in that pitch. you know, Because the pitch I was worthless.
0: Yeah, to be it's no. I, I I am not anti. Uh, artificial pitches, but it's not one that I like very much.
2: I'm I'm not either. Um, and I do think that they encouraged uh, you to play the ball along the deck and nice short sharp passing football which has which has become a trademark of the United's play this season is how quick they move the ball about and how you know how they you you know it's one touch and then they're away and I mean their goal was fantastic. I mean that that pass from Dylan Levitt and uh, to cut into Niskin and was absolutely sublime. Um and then Niskanen again, I mean, I'm really impressed with Niskanen because what I'm finding about him is he's a selfless player, you know, he's in a position to have a, shoot, a shot, but he realises there's a player in the box and there's been a few times now where you thought, well, he could just have a pop himself, but he's seen there's a guy in the six yard box and it's an easy cutback and he did that to Paul so I'm impressed by him. Um, I guess the other talking point from the game last night was the red card incident um, and I'd, at the time, I thought, "Oh, that's a bit harsh on Ben Williamson getting sent off." You know, going in for the challenge in Declan Glass, but having looked at it back, it is a red card. It um, does just leave his boot in a bit too late. I don't think Tam Courts said last night he's not a malicious player, Ben Williamson. Which I thought was very gracious because I did wonder whether Tam Courts would come out and have a blast, given that Declan Glass has been through horrendous injury problems and has just returned. And you and
1: you and Tam did Tam Courts now say he's a fellow piper? So. You know, we're going all sort I of, was it like, you were sort of saying, I'm going to let him away with that one because he's a fellow Pfeiffer. I mean, yeah. You know yeah. I mean, if he's come from the West Coast, was he going to have a real problem?
2: Yeah, I thought that as well. I'm so used to hearing Dick Campbell saying that after games as well. You know, Dick Campbell's always going on about a fifer. It seems to be this thing. If you're a fifer, you're fine. Anything goes. If you're a fifer, he did say that. And it's like...
0: I was going to say, these things are relative. When you say he's not a malicious person, <laughs> he's a fellow fifer. Other parts of the country might be called a psycho. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I, this isn't a, a Ben Williamson podcast or anything like that, but I did see a lot of him at a bro last season, and he's a young player. There's no use in crucifying a young player. I think he's only 19. He's in the Scotland Under-21 squad. He's making his way in the game. He did exceptionally well at um, bro last season while on loan from Rangers. Um, I'm hoping he does well for Livingston, but I there was just a little bit of fear in my mind when I saw it was Declan Glass that was down on the deck at that point, out of all the players in the park, it was the last player you want to see lying down in that position and the players crowded around him for a minute because the boys had no luck. You know, he's, he's played only, he started only two Dun United games in 21 months um, and you want to see him kicking on his career. Age 21, this should be him like super excited to be playing football and he needs he needs a clear run at it and he's a talented boy, Declan Glass. And To be fair, I spoke to Declan Glass after the game last night as well and Declan, Declan attached no blame to Ben Williamson either on the challenge. He just he, he just said, you know, the same thing as he didn't say he's a fifer. But he just says he's, he's, he's a he's a decent He's a fifer, what do you expect? Yeah, he did say he's a decent <laughs> a decent professional player and I don't think he meant anything by it. And and Declan's unscathed. He'll be fine for the weekend against St. Johnston.
3: No, it did look like a sore one. Uh see not on the, the highlights when I I came in last night, but don't think there was any any Qualms over of the referee's decision was it? Livy unhappy with
2: it. <laughs> I were a bit unhappy. I mean Dave, David Martindale was going mental on the touchline and he got sent to the stands and um well he saying he didn't go mental. It was interesting listening to his interview because he was talking He was furious at the at the linesman um and he, he felt that he had been totally misrepresented by the linesman in the way he'd, he'd reacted and he said he was going to um appeal the decision and he was going to go in with his bible um And swear by his Bible in the appeal. So that's how unhappy Livingston were with the decision. But I think if David Martindale looks it back on the TV again, I think he'll probably accept it probably was a red card. But it was a red card without malicious intent. So Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: And given the way United have been playing though, it happened right on half time. You did my first reaction was three points on the way.
2: Yeah, I thought that as well, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought I thought you know United are a very good side this season, very reliable side I would say this season. I thought they would really kick on, um, but Livingston just they, they took off Bruce Anderson. Um, they went to a more compact sort of lineup. They, they sat behind the ball and they made it very difficult. And Dundee United had to spread the ball about all across the, the the park to try and find a way through the defense, and they just couldn't find a way through the defense. You know, it was it's a shame because at Easter Road a few weeks ago, Dundee United were unplayable in attack. You know they I mean, they were cutting through Hibernian's defence at will, but they weren't able to do that last night. And from United's perspective, it's not worrying because, I mean, they're up. They're they're having a fantastic season. And, And the fact that they could have been second last night says it all, but they do need to maybe have that cutting edge in games like that if they're going to really challenge where I think they're capable of challenging. And I... They're not going to say this, but they are capable of uh, getting a European place this season. That's,
0: whether it's 10
2: men or 11
0: men, then they're going to have to get used to two banks of four or even more, aren't they? Because teams teams are sitting up and taking notice, like you say, the performance at Easter Road, they cut right through Hibs. So other managers will set their team, team up accordingly.
2: Yeah, and the reaction from Tam Kurt seemed to be to take Niskanen off and bring Logan Chalmers on. And it was good to see him back in the park because he's not played for a few months and, and he is a very talented and skillful boy. And he did provide one almost deadly cross into the box to, to the back post for Biyama to have the diving header. So they do just need to find that little bit of trickery to unlock defences because the aside from the 3-0 win at, at Hibernian, which was outstanding, all of Dundee United's wins have been one 0 uh, so there's not a lot of goals yet in the team, and that's what they need. It's brilliant that they've had such a great defensive record. I mean, before last night, they were the, I think they were up to the uh, joint third best defensive record in the whole of the UK last night. Uh, before last night, um, but they they need to make sure that they're getting goals at the other end. And I know we, I know that was spoken about all of last season. But I think United are a different team from last season. Even though they're not scoring goals, they are very attractive. They are very open. They are, they are attack minded. But they do need to find that cutting edge. Maybe Biyamu when he gets up to speed, will be the man to do that.
0: And you mentioned there uh, right at the start, um, Niskanen doing well. I mean, how encouraging is it, that especially a young manager that's that he's he's known about this boy uh, and gone and get gone out there and got him. He's got an awareness. Of there's talent to be found if you if you've got the right contacts and and you persevere.
2: I think recruitment's been outstanding for Dunedin, and I think Tony Asker has to take a lot of credit for that. And his role as a sporting director. Um, I think there's not a single player that they have signed. I mean, Piamu's obviously only played a couple of subs appearances, so we have to wait and see how he pans out. But every other player that's been signed uh, in the summer has performed to a really high standard. I mean, we've spoken about Charlie Mulgrew before. He's been immense. We've spoken about him potentially getting back into the Scotland squad. I don't see why not. You know, he's been he's been immense. Dylan Levitt, the, 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 the way that boy can pass the ball is incredible. I mean, he's he's got such a fantastic area of passing from the, the short, clever, safe passes to, to incisive through balls. Um, Niskanen, very intelligent footballer, very energetic. He'll go up the wing and work all day, very much a team player. You know, um, Scott McMahon, unsung hero. He has been he's incredible for yeah, he's been brilliant. I mean, he's been so consistent. If you look at the statistics for Scott McMahon, um, and I wrote about this the other day, uh, I, in his six appearances prior to last night, he had t- he'd been in the top three players for United for touches on the ball. He's always involved in the game. He's, uh, he's he's very secure when he's got the ball. He he gets up and down the the flank on the left flank. I mean, he's. He's replaced Jamie Robson seamlessly, um, so so the, the signings and Trevor Carson came in and did a job for a couple of weeks when Seagrass was injured. Looks a very secure keeper. So recruitment has been probably has been the most important factor in Dun United's success so far. Is that they've come they've complemented the quality players they already had and lifted the club to another level. But we've spoken highly of Tam Courts and Tam Kurtz is setting out his team really well. Um, and I don't see where their bad run of form is going to come from right now. I think that they are going to continue picking up results. So
0: You mentioned Charlie Mulgrew there. Uh, I would suggest, in two words, why he won't get in the next Scotland squad, John Suter. But the man meaning that Suter's playing very, very well for Hearts. Mulgrew's playing very, very well for United. He's likely to go with a boy in his mid twenties, but Mulgrew has been sensational. I mean, what was that double shuffle thing down the line to set up the first goal against Motherwell last Saturday?
2: Oh, it's incredible. I don't agree with you to be honest. with you, I, I think forget about the age because I when I watched Charlie McGrew play thirty five. You're nuts, two strikes already, mate. You yeah, could be but no, but, The mute no, but, button could be pressed. Listen, mate, if you're somebody coming in and you've got no awareness of, of age or anything about the background of a player and you watch Charlie McGrew play, there's nobody that's gonna tell me that he's thirty five playing on the pitch. He's so No, I agree looks, with you. He looks nice, so fit, nice. so composed, he's He's, he's several yards ahead of the attackers in every play. I mean, when the ball comes to him, he's so composed. It just draws the players into him in because he knows exactly where he's going to pin the ball to. He's, he's, he's immense. And that level of composure that he potentially would bring to a Scotland back line if we needed something to slot in, I think it's worth doing. I mean, Steve Clapp brought Constantine in uh, for his first ever cap and, he, and, and he's the, the wrong side of 30. Um, And Constantine came in and did a job, albeit he was dropped out for the Euro 2020 squad. So whilst John Suter's got age on his side, and I would love to see him back in the Scotland set-up as well as a player who's recovered from serious injury. I think, for me, Charlie Mulgrew is the form defender if we're going to bring somebody else into the squad. And I would bring him in.
3: Uh, I'm a a fan of uh, Charlie Mulgrew. I I watched John Suter on Saturday against Dundee, and he was... He was excellent. He was very, very good. I think he's, he's looking like he's getting back to his his best. I'd absolutely pick Suter over Morgrem, I'm afraid, just because he's going to be the future, providing he's going to be fit, obviously. He's had to shake off that injury. His goal was tremendous. His distribution from the back was, it was excellent throughout the whole game. Dundee really struggled with it, um, although... Seen Dundee last night. Think, it was maybe not, not that much. <laughs> yeah, but um. yeah.
1: I, I think from a from a, from a Dundee United point of view, and a totally selfish club point of view, yeah, they'll be quite happy if John Shooter is <laughs> admitted from Scotland, and no, John Shooter, sorry, uh, Charlie McGrew isn't selected for for Scotland squads. Give him a break. coming up, yeah, because he, he's at an age now where he, the rest is very important. I think you know, to him. Uh, because he, although he is playing in the back line...
0: Is that think, why you used to sleep at your desk on a Monday bear in your late 30s? <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of that going on.
1: I just thought you would be the fast as, as you well know, Tom. As you well know. Well, wow, I always uh, rested. Yeah, I mean... No, I, I agree. He's, he's in the, He is in the form of his life. But one thing about Charlie McGrew, always was a football player. Uh, you know, you could see in his early days when he came up on loan to dice and he played more as, as a left back, I think, and that he played. The laddie and he wanted to get forward, and he's never lost that wherever he's been. And although he spent much of his career sort of in the in the central defence, you know he, he is a guy who can you know likes to get the ball down and knock it. And they're benefiting from that, there's no doubt about that. But you know that that was outrageous last week. You, you, you know that down the line the step over and, and the cross into the box for for his fellow centre half. I've got to say, I mean that just sums up Dundee United at the moment. You know it's but but as you said, you Regarding the goals, they're not prolific up front. But the one thing Dundee United have done this season, they've got goals from all over the park. You look, and their defenders have scored, going right back to Jamie Robson's goal against Rangers before he, before he left, you know, Dundee United. They've all sort of weighed in, the midfielders have all weighed in with one or two goals, some more, more so. So at this point in time, it's not really hurting Dundee United because they are getting goals from elsewhere. Now, you just wonder if those goals dry up. Can one of the forwards then step up to the mark like Max Biamu or or Nicky Clatten really go on a, a a solid run of scoring form that will keep United picking up points and keep them in that top six
0: slot? Are, there, are you right? A wee you, you're seeing every minute. You are, are there a wee bit in a, of an enigma in that the play open attractive attacking football, and they take a lot of their chances. Is the problem they're not c- quite? Creating enough chances because every you don't see them. It's not miss after miss after miss with them.
2: It's probably a fair assessment. I'm thinking back to the Ross County game. They did create a few chances against Ross County, but missed a few in that game. Um, they had far more of a cutting edge at Easter Road. There's no doubts about that. I mean, they were they were uh, immense at, at Easter Road, and it was like, but it was almost like clinical Easter Road because they didn't they didn't create like you say, like. 20 chances and score three. You know, they probably created about six or seven chances and scored three against Hibs, but they were, they they, they cut them open. Um, you're probably right, but they're, they're very pleasing on the yeah. eye. I mean, they're very, and I, and I think it's the, the passing football and it's, the, it's what I'm talking about, the, the movement. They're very quick to, to move the ball on, you know, and circulate the ball. And the players all seem to know where each other is on the park. They're very well set up that way. And there's a lot of fine passing interchanges. I mean, if you look at the the interplay for the goal at Easter Road, Nick Clark's goal at Easter Road, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's incredible. I mean, four players, very quick, one touch pass, and then curls the ball into the bottom of the net. So whilst they're maybe not scoring goals, and like you say, you're making a valid point, they're maybe not creating a bundle of chances. I don't think there's any Dun United fan right now who's going uh, going away thinking, God, that was boring to watch. You know, I think they're they're all coming away complete opposite, perhaps, of what some of them were saying last season. And you're not too worried because when the chance, Like I say, when the, maybe there's not enough chances,
0: but when they do come, they seem to score them.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just the, the the clinical way that they're playing football, you know. I think it's the... And I think if I go back to the point of my dearly about Niskanen, it's, the, it's the fact that you've got players like that who are not going to be selfish and, and just take a and goal when they, they see a sighting goal, because they, they've got the awareness around them to see there's somebody in a better position, I'm just going to make the short pass, and that's going to be an easy goal, you know? So, um, yeah, that's what it is. And I mean, if you're a fan of Dun United just now, I think the the big thing for you is that you're seeing those boys out there giving absolutely everything they've got on the pitch, and they're fighting for each other, they're fighting for the manager. Um, Declan Glass was speaking about how there's a... A real connection building between the fans, the players, and the staff, and it's it's clearly evident. You know, Dundee United had nearly two thousand fans down at Livingston last night on an awful night. Uh, they sang the whole night, albeit they did sing quite a lot about Dundee losing um, uh, for for the night. But they backed our team, uh, and I don't. I'm reading the comments with Dundee United uh, fans this morning. There's nobody uh, having a go because they didn't win the game. They're just accepting of the fact that Dundee United had a fantastic start to the season and they're playing good, open, attractive football and they've got players who, when they score goals, they're all going on mass to celebrate in front of their supporters and that shows the togetherness of the club at the moment.
0: And another great transfer them won't be easy, but St Johnstone at home this weekend, they'll, they'll fancy three points from that.
2: Yeah, but St Johnstone have turned a, a probably again a little bit. I mean, that's a, a great result for St Johnstone last night, albeit it sounded like perhaps they could have beaten Hearts last night. So, that's not going to be an easy game. Again, it's going to be a similar to, to Livingston. St. Johnston set up really, really well defensively. Normally, you know, Carl Davidson sort of built built his team on that, albeit I know they lost 3-0 to Livingston at home. Um they he has he has over the last year or so built the foundations on on his defensive capabilities. So Dun United will have to find a way to break them down. But I'm always Mister Optimistic. I still think they need to win. They'll probably win one 0
0: I I must admit, I was just thinking as you were speaking here. It's got a one nil game written all over it. But uh, but normally you think, oh, no, that'll not be much. But in a good way because two really well organised teams were good young managers who have a plan and and a plan that works. So it's it's almost like a football game of chess on Saturday. You're expecting.
2: Yeah, and I think I wasn't at McDermott Park earlier in the season when Dun United won 1 0 and Peter Pollock scored. But um, I think that result for me, alongside the Rangers result, really told me something. Given what St Johnston had achieved last season, when you started to sit, sit down and lay out the 1 0 ones that they had, you thought, well, they're, they're big games that you're winning 1 0 and You know, you're beating Rangers 1 0. You're beating St Johnston, who'd won two cups last season 1 0. You're beating your local rivals, Dundee 1 0. You know, you're. you're of it, the 1-0 against Ross County now suddenly seems a much better result as well you know so and 3-0 against the parents so when you set out the results you think well they're actually they, they're, there's more to them than just oh well they're, they're fluking a 1-0 or anything like that so it will be tight against St Johnston. absolutely no doubts about that but like I say I think they'll do just enough to edge them to edge them to a win Right enough of this positivity time for some gloom and doom
0: George, get back to your seat. <laughs> Is it fair to sum up Dundee's last three games as two steps forward and five huge steps back?
3: Uh, yeah, I think that would be fair. Um, Deserve to win against Aberdeen. Held in and, and grabbed a good point at, at Tynecastle. And then... Had an ollie against a- Ross County. Yeah. <laughs> It was definitely the wrong week to tell your players to play like Man Um, (laughs) uh, Because Strangely enough, it was very similar to that in terms of the way the game went, because Dundee just didn't compete at all uh, with Ross County throughout the entire contest. Guys they normally rely on, like Jordan Marshall and goalkeeper Adam Langston and guys like that, just gave away really poor goals. There weren't, nobody was at it. I had, when I saw the team, I was a wee bit worried when I saw that Max Anderson wasn't there because their only other option was, that was to have Paul McGowan and Charlie Adam in the same midfield and Ross County just overran them uh, in there and Dundee couldn't cope with the wingers, couldn't cope by anybody and um, there was a lot of anger from the stands but I think there's... A whole lot of embarrassment as well at the end of the moment because that was I was extremely bad uh, and that's putting it mildly, mildly. I could use much worse words than that. Well, you, was...
0: you mentioned that you mentioned that I mean, that's all. All things are relative, but you mentioned that it was very similar to the Man United game in magnitude of what is acceptable and unacceptable at a football club at Dundee's level. To lose five 0 at home with the to the bottom of the league team who'd only scored two away go sort of two away goals all season and hadn't won a game in the league all season to date it's, it's a shocker it's, it's,
3: it's. Uh, yeah and it was a chance as well taking on obviously the team that's struggling so much to put them really really in serious trouble and get yourselves back up and in amongst the teams above you Um, but at no point did they look, Charlie adam I had that shot right there st- in the early period, that was a good save from the keeper. Um, aside from that, they did absolutely nothing. Uh, Lee Griffiths wasn't involved. Tully had a shot right at the end, but it was 5-0 already by then. Um, there was absolute, there just wasn't any positives whatsoever, other than it wasn't more than five, I would say. Aye,
0: Bear, just to continue the happy theme, I mean, is this is this <laughs> one of these rare cases that always like to say in football, the league table doesn't lie? Well, if you're second-bottom and you lose at home 5-0 to the bottom team, maybe it does. Maybe you're the worst team in the league. Yeah, well,
1: it? I mean, certainly certainly this morning, Tom, if you were to ask a, a Dundee fan or, or a Ross County fan who who's the happier, I'm sure, that Ross County, despite being bottom in the league still, they would be far more encouraged by what lies ahead than a Dundee fan, you know, um, after last night's Last night's show, and I think sometimes, you know, the manager can accept he 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 makes the wrong call tactically, and sometimes the players just don't play well. But I think it was a combination of both last night, Tom, uh, where the performance from Dundee, you know, right across the park, the guys that have been used to being uh, have been the backbone of Dundee's success over the last through the through the running the championship to the title and the start of the season, guys that have been incredibly solid that were spoken about Jordan Marshall. Adam Legsdon's, Lee Ashcroft. They probably had their poorest games for Dundee. Certainly, Legsdon's and Ashcroft. I would suggest that was their poorest show. Now, for that to happen on the same night, um, you know, only made made things worse for for Dundee. I think the setup was wrong. I think George is right. Uh, sometimes you, you, I mean, uh, what was up with Max Anderson? George was he rested, or, or was it just a case of injury? He didn't, no, yeah, he was um, ill.
3: He was he was up. Uh, he had a sickness box. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I think we've highlighted this in the. In the past, you know, Charlie and, and, and Paul McGowan, terrific, terrific players that they are, on the pitch together. You know, have you have you set up allowing too much space in beside them? Then they've got a real problem because they're not the quickest at covering the ground. And the way Dundee were set up last night, it looked like it was similar to the way they set up on Saturday against Hearts. Um, in essence, it, it was it's like a four three three. Sometimes James McPake plays, but it's, it could can, it could it could go back to a four five one. Now, first half on Saturday at Tynecastle, I've got to say, Dundee hardly got a kick of the ball because they were playing this sort of 4 3 3 set. Up, but the three, three guys, Hearts played with three at the back, but Dundee weren't pressing enough. So Hearts were playing through them, and consequently, there Hearts were going wide. You know, they had the overload in midfield, and they were getting down the flanks in, in the first half at ease, at will. But what they didn't do was, was score. And Dundee's defence and goalkeeper were solid. Well, last night that wasn't the case. Uh, I, I don't think that. Uh, you Know Ross County didn't have to work too hard for their goals, which makes it which always makes your your life a lot tougher. The first goal down the right hand side, I think Marshall and, and McMullen get caught looking at one another instead of one of them going for the ball. And, and there's a mix up, the guy gets in, scores a good goal. The second goal is just
3: it's it's just can't happen, it's a calamity
1: it? yeah. show, you know, right, right from the off. Kami Kerr takes a quick throw into Legsden's inside the Dundee half, down, down the right hand side, five or ten yards outside the Dundee box. Legsden's suddenly realises, wait a minute, I'm getting closed down. No, sorry, uh, to Ashcroft. Ashcroft, yeah. Ashcroft suddenly realises he's getting closed down, rolls it back to Legsden's. It's a mile short, by the way, with the, with the pass. Now, that may have something to do with the surface because it was a wee bit of sticky to Den's last night because of the sheer volume of rain. Legsden's gets closed down. And, and instead of just playing the, the wise move and, and toe bashing it out ten yards, you know, up the park and, and taking the throw and having a go, he tries to be clever and, and kick it up the park. The ball spins up, it, it crashes into the, the county county player. There's still plenty of time to to, to stop the the danger, but between them all, the Louse, Ross Callan who spent time at Dents, obviously on loan, you know, to get the ball down and a roll into the empty goal, and from that point on. It just went from from bad to worse. Um, they suddenly find themselves four goals down, and it's damage limitation. And James McPake, you know, he, he makes a substitution. Now, my big problem with that is, I thought I thought the substitution should have happened earlier. I think that things weren't working. But when he makes the substitution, Tom, they're, they're playing basically four three three. He takes off Paul McMonna. I don't think it should be Paul McMullen that went off, but fair fair enough, if you're making a change, then he does that. But he brings on uh, Danny Mullen, but he does not change the formation. The formation remains exactly the same. There's no change to the pattern of play. There's huge gaps all over the park. You've got Danny Mullen away on one side of the park. Uh, Jason Cummins, who is never a right-sided... You know, (laughs) I've said this before about Jason Cummins... Outside the box, he is a waste of space. And I'm sorry to say this to Jason Cummins. Inside the box, he gives you what Jason Cummins does. He gets shots on targets. He gets goals as you showed at Timecastle. Castle. But running up and down that right-hand side, up and down the south enclosure, trying to take the ball from the halfway line, isn't a Jason Cummins game. And I was just wrong all over the park. and every, but To be fair, you know, James McPake said he, he was at fault and, and the players were at fault. But, the, you know, I, I think... You look at the bigger picture, and you and you say, well, okay, they've had three three games there where they've taken four points. Now, if you do that over the course of the season, that'll keep you that'll keep you in that division, term. But Dundee are coming from a position where they, they need to get a, a few more points on the board because of the poor run that they've been on, because they have been picking up that points per game ratio. And it's a it's the, the there's another side to this: getting beat five nothing from a team below you mm. in the league, the team at the bottom of the table. The demoralising effect it can have on the camp. You know, how do you pick yourself up from that? That is that's where we're going. The game against St. Myrna on Saturday now is you know, it's, it's how they Huge how they get their the heads character. Well, uh. it is. as But you know what? James McPake has been here before with Dundee. <laughs> We've been on this podcast Hicked before with James McPake. When you've looked at him and went, that is such a bad performance. And they managed to pull something out of the heart, but they need it on Saturday. And crikey, going in against a, a, St. Murn, a, a tough St Mirren side because that's where they are with Jim Goodwin in, in, in the bench. You know, one thing I would say about Dundee uh, last night, when you're playing a team at the bottom of the league, they're down on their luck. They've lost six goals in their last two home games. Don't let them out of jail. Get right at them from the off. Get balls in the box. Let's see if they can cope with the simple things. And Dundee just didn't do that. They allowed Ross County to play their went into the game and get a foothold in the game, which they took full advantage of. And fair play to them for doing that. But I'll tell you what. See it at Paisley on Saturday. St. Myrna will be over yeah. Dundee like a rash inside that first 15 minutes. They'll not be hanging back, damn. They'll be throwing yeah, you know, balls in that box. When you're playing that teams
0: box. that are in the situation Dundee are, are in yep. now and Ross County were before last night, Players know you the opposition players know you can beat them in the first fifteen minutes, yeah, can't And that's they? what that's what they'll do that. They'll do that. They'll, and and Dundee are gonna to have to stand up
1: and and, and and be strong and you know, trust in the players that have done so well for him. I'll be interested to see if he makes any sort of tactical changes. At this point in time, we've got Lee Griffiths in. We could have Cristiano Ronaldo in that front line. It wouldn't make any difference. Or well, maybe you might make Pelers a as difference as well. But there. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, I, I know, but you've got to give this. Wants lad, to move to Adam. Was up against two six foot six centre halves last night. Getting bo- absolutely no chance. He needs support up there alongside them to give himself a chance at opportunities of getting goals. Now how they do that, I, I think they need a wee tweaking formation, um, and that's something James McPhee's going to have to look at over the next 48 hours. Yeah,
3: it was Charlie Adam came out and did the uh, post match stuff, uh, and he said any of the 11 could have got subbed at halftime and nobody will have any qualms if they're dropped for the weekend. Um, George,
0: this, this, before we came on air, I was saying this to Bear, basically. And it it's not, for whatever faults they've got, it's not the fault of the current squad or the current manager. But people like Bear and I have been hearing this since the mid-70s, every two or three or four <laughs> years. And we've, we've, we've heard it all before. And I think... There needs to be an awareness. Oh, it.
1: it doesn't seem to be any. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be any middle ground with Dundee. No. it's either exactly. it's pretty good or it's absolutely rank rotten. And now James McPake, for the sake of keeping that club in in this division, there needs to be a bit of middle ground. There needs to be games where you know what we weren't very good there, but you know what we got that point and you move on to the next game well, that, and you yeah. just keep picking up. You you, you carry way up there one no week and way
3: down the next. That was the thing about Saturday. That's exactly what happened at Tynecastle. They weren't great. But they held in and they grabbed the goal at yeah. the end, and it was a good point.
0: But they didn't let like the opposition. That's part of the game. I, I've always and, and in fairness, I never. Uh, I, I know they've been squabbling over other matters, but I, I saw Robbie Nielsen's after-match stuff after Saturday's draw at Tynecastle, and he didn't say Dundee didn't deserve a point. If you stop no. Dundee, part of the game is stopping the opposition scoring, and Dundee did did that on all bar one occasion. Now, if but the frustrating thing is. They can do that to hearts, and maybe maybe this is a sort of tactical question. It strikes me, if you're playing the bottom of the league team, who, as Bear says, have lost three goals in each of their last two games, you don't need to play expansive attacking football. Now, I'll let you in, I'll let you in a, a secret here. Peter Houston used to laugh I, I, a few times that he went through a run in derbies as United manager of beating Dundee 3-0. And United fans would contact me, go, you weren't complimentary about United. They won 3 0. And I had a chat about it with Husti. I said, I keep getting flack from your fans and I say you deserve to win. He says, Well, "Well, to be honest. And the Dundee team at that time, it's when they'd been thrown up. And he says, It's not their fault, but they're basically a championship team and they're going to make mistakes. He said, So my tactics are don't make mistakes. Don't, don't throw everybody forward. Don't take risks that you don't have to take because opportunities will come. And my point being, last night, Dundee are in this boat a bit, but Ross County are definitely in that boat where they make mistakes and they lose goals. Why did Dundee need to do? Dundee go there and be really solid and really patient and really at it? And the longer the game goes on, you're, you're thinking they will get a chance. I, I I don't quite understand this sort of, let's go play free-flowing flowing football. There are times when you you be pragmatic and you say, make it really hard for this team. As Bear says, get in about them and, 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 and stop them playing. And then the victory will come, but it didn't seem to happen last night.
3: No, I think the getting in about them was, it was a big issue. You mentioned Ross Callahan. Obviously, his time at Dundee made a huge impact when he arrived at Dundee because his it's, it's ability to run in the middle of the park is sheer energy. And that, he showed that again last night, but obviously Dundee had an extremely slow midfield with Jill Adam and Paul McGowan in there. Uh, good players, obviously, and very experienced, but they're not mobile. Which Ross Callan most certainly is, and it feels like it was a game for energy. That was, yeah, that that that's where Dundee really struggled. It was it was they just couldn't get to grips with county at all. The two wingers were excellent. Hungbo on the right ripped Dundee apart. His free kick was ridiculous. Um, I think you can maybe write that one off. It was it was a,
1: Can I do, do you know what Adam Legends was shooting for two in the wall and he never got it. And I know it was a fair bit out, but it was a fantastic... It clips it underside of the bar, I think, on the way in, a big a big dipper. But he was looking for two, but I think because of the overload on that side, I think they, they split up. The Marshall and I think it may have been McMullen. So uh, it's a one-man wall, effectively. It was a good bit out, but you've got to give the lad credit for, for the for the free kick. But it just summed up Adam Legsdon's night when it hits it the underside of the bar and, and goes in, and everybody just, you know... Turns around and looks at him, say, "What are you What are you doing there?" I sort of, no, no. you know it,
3: it's it's now about how they respond. Uh, yeah, I've been obviously fans are wanting change. I, I can't, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, it's been to the club. There's no, no plans to discuss uh, any sort of change with the manager. They'll obviously their history of backing managers is, is, is the way they go, and it's um, to their credit a, a lot of the time. We've seen... At I, times, does that, though, about, do, I
0: mean, whatever you think about the manager's ability and, and, and how much faith you have in it, that can become an economic argument as well. I mean, it was a decent crowd last night, but he, yeah, the crowd were obviously very unhappy. There's always been a section that are unhappy. If the crowd evaporates,
3: it puts pressure on the club. Definitely. But I, I get the feeling that that sort of pressure doesn't, uh, prompt a decision like that from, from John Elms and Tim Keyes until there's a relegation on the horizon, if you know. What yeah, I mean. uh, so I, I think well, I've already put
0: in for a map of the championship for my Christmas boys, so it's maybe a
3: distant <laughs> horizon, but yeah, um, but we've seen that's mentioned it before Dundee have been terrible one week and then suddenly get it back together the next week, so.
0: But they've only won one game. Is it? Is this maybe you knew you looking at it from sort of slightly afar? It's it, it does strike me that we're we're living... he's looking very relaxed. It's oh, yeah, looking very happy. We hate him. He's not. He's not getting on next week. Had enough of him. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm just in a bad mood today because it was five 0 last night for anyone
2: who forgot. God, this is the. I think I'll need to go somewhere and cheer <laughs> up after this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we've we'll have been in it and. People have been very
0: fair to Dundee, but that's that's like one round of the complete fixtures gone now. And they've, they've had two or three bad games. They've had five or six good games and a couple so-so games. It strikes me they've only won one game. So it means in about half the rest of the games, they've played quite well and they can't win. And when they don't play well, they get well beaten. That is not a formula for optimism, shall we say?
2: No, I think I think I heard a few people saying this in the past as well, that when they were playing well but not getting results, the worrying thing was that every team hits a bad patch where they start to play poorly. So then how do you turn it around? But I don't know what the expectations are for Dundee this season. I mean, I'm looking at it from afar. And last season, until... The latter part of the season, I wasn't really expecting Dundee to get promoted. It was only when they went on a, a late run towards the end of the season and fair play to them. I mean, against Kilmarnock in the playoff, they absolutely destroyed Kilmarnock in the playoff. You know, they, they tore them apart in the in the final and fully merited going up. But what would the situation be just now if Dundee hadn't gone up, if they just missed out in the playoffs? Um and they were maybe flirting about second or third in the in the championship just now. How, what would the level of pressure be on James McPake there in comparison to now? What I'm trying to get at is, is is it just enough for Dundee this season to to scrape by and and avoid relegation by one point? I think, in
0: fairness, I think I don't know I think for the fans staying staying up is a successful season. I mean, you you said what would you what would the level of pressure be? I remember. Um, I think it was before his third spell as manager, Jockey Scott, said to me, one thing you can be assured of with me going into a championship with Dundee is if we don't get promoted, it's a failure. There's no excuse. It doesn't matter what the finances are. It doesn't matter what your squad is. Dundee is the size of club that if they're in the championship, their aim has to be promotion. But that was realistic. And just as realistic, I think right now, especially this season, survival would be success but there has to be big doubts about that
2: I think I mean George and and Graham will know know this a lot better than me but James Ip strikes me as the kind of manager who eh, learns his mistakes and learns lessons you know and 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 he bounces back I mean as you pointed out there's probably been a few podcasts in the past where you've been questioning whether James McPeak's going to be in the job for the long term. You know, even looking back to last season at points last season, but it does strike me as somebody that will take on board lessons and learn quickly from them. And maybe, maybe if we're looking at a positive way, I'm trying to. Maybe this is a watershed moment. Maybe this five nil at home is as a moment where they say, right, there's mistakes. We need to change things. We need to change them now. And it might act as a conduit or as a spark to transformed this season and maybe get them out of this sort of false sense of security where they've been at over the, since the start of the season of thinking, well, we're playing well enough, but the results are just not happening. Maybe it's a point where they're saying, right, we've been heavily beaten. We've been completely outplayed at home by a side that we shouldn't have been outplayed by at home and we shouldn't have lost 5-0 at home. Things need to change and maybe this will be a turning point for the positive, you know, and maybe the changes will be made like Bear's point out, maybe they'll change the formation slightly, maybe they'll play two up top, you know, as recognised strikers and that might change things, but
0: Two up top, I don't know. another eight at the back
2: Yeah, it's embarrassing though for Dundee when and I know this always happens, I'm I'm at Livingston last night and I'm all I'm hearing from the Dundee United fans are, are singing, you know, Dundee Dundee's going down, Dundee's going down and, and at one point you start started singing, we want six, we want six, I mean they were more focused on what was happening up at Den's Park than they were at, at what was happening at the Tony Macaroni Arena, you know. So um that sort of underlines just how I, the, I, I the the
0: think they were mentioning it. I was watching a, I was listening to a bit of the radio, watching a bit of TV, they're mentioning it on Sky, and i it's 4 0 now at yeah. half time. What's what's happening? I think there? I
1: think when you're at the game and you when you're at the game, and George will, George I'll back this up. You suddenly look at a Ross County side and they all suddenly look like world beaters.
3: <laughs> they did, it's uh,
1: unbelievable. Their, their full backs are bombing forward. They've got two flying wingers, the centre half... Long, back, I it. used
0: to but, make opposition players look like that. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, but it just shows you what a wee bit of confidence and a couple of goals can can do for you. You know, so Dundee need to get back to that. Eh? But you know, Dundee's strength over the past 18 months or so has been pretty much based on, you know, the rear guard... And ability. Yeah, yeah. They've been solid and they need they need to get... They haven't been particularly solid this season, obviously. We've seen that, but their strength is still in the back line. They went to Tain Castle and kept it pretty tight. So they've got to go to St. Mirren and dig deep, dig deep on Saturday and get themselves through the first 15, 20 minutes and see where it goes. Like you say, Tom, it's just about keeping yourself, keeping yourself in the game, and then when the chances do come along, as we've seen across the road at Tanneries, just take one of them. Lee Griffiths can take one of them, and, and you know, and you you could be away with three points that could that could get you going again, but. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering what the what, what it'll be like at training this morning and you've not got time to start pointing the finger at boys because Jim McPake needs these boys to, to perform on Saturday. So there's got to be some sort of in between way of going, well, you know what? We've got to do in last night. It's it, it wasn't a great, but we need to pick ourselves up, you know, it wasn't it wasn't acceptable. We've got to show what we're made of, you know, and and, and show that we deserve to be in this league. Because they're still there. That's the yeah. main thing. I mean, they're, they're still. They reacted well. To going bottom in the league, I've got to say, they got themselves off the bottom of the league. They're now at the bottom of the league, and I've said that Ross County will be feeling better about themselves. But it's never good when you look at that league table and you're at the bottom. So that's incentive for them on Saturday. I think Ross County play as well as Ross County did against Dundee last night. You uh, and I think it's Celtic the, the play this weekend. Ross County if I'm right? So on the hoops, So... Is that? i is no, uh, sure is, is. I think. I think Livingston it one whoever yeah. they're playing?
2: I think Livingston play against Celtic at the weekend, but, yeah. mate.
1: Yeah. Livingston have already beaten Celtic. We can't have that. Home to Hibs. Right, but who's home to Hibs? Oh, to drag County? this back to oh, Dundee. Yeah. Oh no,
0: yeah. it's green and white. Anyway, to drag <laughs> this back to Dundee and, uh, and the show. This isn't. This is by no means. This is not an anti-James fake show. George, you know him better than the rest of us, but it strikes me there'll be nobody more up for Saturday's game in either camp uh, than James McPeak.
3: definitely be scratching his head to figure out what what he can do to sort this out. It's um, and it, you right; it it does learn, and if I think he phones everybody to get advice on everything. Obviously, Gordon track there, but he's got all sorts. Of, Chris Coleman, he mentions a, a few times, and he's got a lot of people he leans on. and He it, it does that, I think, when things are going well, but I get the feeling that he'll be making a lot of phone calls maybe last night and this morning um, to try and uh, figure a way out of it. Exactly. You, can, it, never, it you may... can
0: never question his commitment to Dundee. His, no. Uh, although he, his playing time there wasn't, Particularly long. He's got the way the club helped him when he got injured and uh, and stuck by him. He's got a huge commitment and a and a huge feeling for them, doesn't he?
3: Uh, absolutely. They, they, well, like, he moved himself up here this this summer after he'd been living uh, in Glasgow his entire time at the club before that. Which kind of showed his, his commitment. He said he's a he's a Dundee fan. His his family are now Dundee fans because the what the club's done for him uh, during his career. Um, and it, it well, it, it took a wee while to come out last night, but it, it was fairly measured when he came out and, it, and he spoke to us and and held his hands up, obviously. Um, as, as people will have read, and he is he is very honest when it comes to these things. Um, yeah,
0: some say it was probably his worst day in football.
3: Yeah, which some of the results that they've maybe had over the last couple of years. That's. Uh, there's been some some bad ones. Uh, I think that manager. was an honest
0: thing. I think because he know he know he knows himself. Whatever the names of the two clubs, that situ- in that scenario, it's a completely unacceptable result for the club that yeah. was in Dundee's situation. And
3: yeah, there was nothing else he, he could say with with any credibility. I know fans won't read any credibility in it because of the way the way the game went, and the way his team played, uh, and probably the decisions that were made. Paul McMullen may be an issue I think that he's going to have to try and sort out as well. Uh, he certainly wasn't happy getting hooked before halftime. I think that might be something I looked, that... George, it looked,
1: like, uh, that time, it looked to, to me as though well he was a to walk right up the tunnel, but there's somebody
3: shooting back and telling him to get in the dugout. That's what it looked like. It certainly, Or maybe he realised that it's quite a long walk in front of a bunch of fans. Uh, decided to go in that He won't be happy at all. That's... It's an embarrassment for players. I felt, a player,
1: I, isn't felt it? I felt, for, I felt for him because you know I was. I certainly, he certainly wouldn't have been the one that I would have taken off. But as Charlie Adam said, they could have taken any of the loving off and, but any justification because it wasn't fantastic. Um, you know, but uh, Paul mcmullen has been, been. Yeah, exactly. Done these main men this season when they have done well, so he's a boy they need. They need
3: to keep on board. Exactly, and I, th- I think that might be a, a conversation he's going to have to have. Because um, he did, my Mullin. I've seen pictures of him, he did not look happy at all uh, sitting in the stands. Um, there's a lot he's got to sort out of over, over the next couple of days. He's got a big game. And, and there's St. not St. a St. huge Murner amount of well. options either. What was that, St. St. sorry?
0: Murner, it's isn't on isn't it? I was too scared. Yeah, to it, um, sure
3: it is. I'm it is. it's not. They're not losing. The worst, they've got Celtic after that. It could be worse. Um, but it's, it's going to be a really tough one. I'd, it's all about... He's talked a lot about the character and the team and super puts a lot of work into finding out what mentality of the players he wants to buy. Um, this is really where it's going to be tested on Saturday if they come out and play anything like they did on Wednesday. It's it's just going to get worse and worse. Um, but we have seen Dundee respond to these things. That, it, it reminded me of the air game last season at Denz. I think it ended up... T- 3-1 with Dundee scoring in the last minute. And they weren't a, weren't a good team. Um, George's new book in worst, the shops worst.
0: this Christmas. <laughs> My litany of Dundee I think, disasters. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, I, that day I think Mick Peake said it was one of his worst days in football. But then they went on the run. They got them up through the playoffs. That I think that might have been their last defeat. So they've got to... I'm reaching for you and positivity here to try and get something out of it but it's, it's if, they're in Ian a bad says, place oh, George, moment,
1: As you says, says George you feel you're in a bad place I think for Dundee fans and, and we're all suffering this morning and, and James McPake feels it just as strongly as the supporters but if, yeah. you, if you're feeling you're in a bad place think back 12 months ago think in where the, the club was in yeah. think where the you know what you thought I mean I honestly thought at some points last season we might struggle to stay in the championship never mind being the premiership 12 months down the line so the way they've turned it around, they're, they're certainly not in an irretrieval situation oh, here. No. They've got good players. That, there's a long way to go in this league, but they've taken a real doing there. And it's how you respond. I think Tom's sitting there on that. It's how you respond to these results yeah. determines where you go from now on. This
3: has almost been a therapy session, this. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually...
1: Good. I'm fit. well I... <laughs> Sorry, you I'm a Dundee supporter. <laughs> Get me well, out of here.
3: i just <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, I'm going to have to take therapy. What I'm going to do when I come off <laughs> this podcast is spend the next hour looking at our bro highlights for the last year and right. just cheer myself yeah. up, you know. But
0: We knew you were going to squeeze in. I was actually you. just going to say, you and I had promised you before the start that we would mention our bro's Great midweek result. But A, we're out of time. And B, you've already dropped your customary our both bombs into this Dundee Dundee rated podcast? So I'm afraid that's all we've got time for you. And good night.
3: If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful
0: if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk
2: to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.